with the thought as it is in heaven. And in Matthew 6, and we're going we're gonna to revisit some of the scripture from last week, uh, maybe most of them, and then, then move on a little bit and maybe really the next meeting where we move further. But just to, just to catch us up, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said to them, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you have need of before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done over in glory land. It's not what he said. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And we're going to stop right here in this scripture. As it is in heaven is what Jesus prayed. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this really took off in me from a Facebook post that someone made. And I was sitting reading the Facebook post, and it uh, just jumped out at me, uh, and not to make light of the post, because this is a thought many, if not most, many believers have, is how it's going to be in heaven. Would Jesus prayed that the kingdom come and God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if we don't know how it is in heaven, how can it be done on earth as it is in heaven? This is really what come up in my heart. If you don't know how it is in heaven, how can it be done on earth as it is in heaven? How, how's that even remotely possible if you don't know how it is in heaven? And... What I want us to hear is how it is. Now, I'm not telling you there aren't things that, you, you know, there's, there's probably things I don't understand when you leave your physical body. But what God is speaking about is the person of heaven. It's, it's dealing with the heavenly man. And... Till we get a hold of that, that, that heaven is dealing with a man. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. That's how it is in heaven. According to the second man. That's how it is. But if I don't understand the second man, I don't understand how it is in heaven. It's that simple. So I've got to comprehend the second man. If I try to find salvation in the first man, I won't get it done either. 
A lot, lot of teaching goes back to the first man, even, even kingdom and spiritual teaching. You know, most people that I knew growing up, they'd say, well, if Adam just hadn't sinned. And it was always before me a couple of things. Did Adam ever eat of the tree of life even if he hadn't sinned? And if you search the scripture, I don't know that you can find scripturally where he ever ate of the tree of life. He was placed into the garden. In the midst of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there's also something in Genesis uh, chapter 1 that captivated my heart for a while. And it had to do with, in Genesis 1, every seed bore after its own kind. And when God created the man in his image and his likeness, one thing he did not say about Adam, he never said he was his kind. He said he was in his image and his likeness, but he never said he was his kind. And the word kind deals with the gene, the seed. So, so to be in the kind, you had to be... It, the seed, all right? So I won't go through all of that tonight. I just want to kind of set this forth. So Jesus came forth a heavenly man. He was not earthy. Even, even as he, before the cross, he said, he said, the Son of Man is in heaven. So he was spiritually minded, even before he went into the death, burial, and resurrection. He was, he was heavenly. And through the death, burial, and resurrection, he brought us from the earth to the heaven. Now we're in the earth, and Jesus says that. We're of the world, or we're in the world, excuse me, but we're not of the world. So we're in the earth. We have physical bodies, but in our physical bodies is to dwell another man. And, and getting a hold of that is, is really what we as Christians are to do, is to get a hold of the new man. That's, that's what God's mind is toward us. So, so when Jesus prays, the kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he probably means that. When he tells them to pray this way, he's probably serious about us understanding how it is in heaven, or he wouldn't have told us that. And a picture we looked at, and I'm not going to read all the places in Deuteronomy 11 tonight, but I'm going to read a couple of them, but a picture in the Old Covenant, in Deuteronomy 11.10, and the Israelites are moving from Egypt to Canaan. And the difference in Egypt and Canaan, he says in verse 10, he says, For the land, Deuteronomy eleven ten says, For the land, whither thou goest in to possess, it is not as the land of Egypt. <laughs> you come into another land. And he says, Here this land from whence ye came out, where... Thou sowed thy seed and watered it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land where you go to possess is a land of hills and valleys and drink of water of the rain of heaven. 
a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even to the end of the year. So, so he's showing here in type and shadow they're moving from the earthly to the heavenly. That's what Canaan is a picture. Moving out of the earth, out of Egypt, out of carnality, out of bondage, out of fear, and into the heavenly land where God is flowing unto them, where the land's going to produce from the flowing of the Lord, the reign of heaven's there. And we could call that the Holy Ghost, the Spirit, the reign of heaven, the water of life. That's what we could call that of heaven. And then verse 18 of Deuteronomy 11 says, Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house. I just love this. <laughs> when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest. In other words, you're going to teach it all the time. You're going to, you're going to consider this word all the time. And that's, that's dwelling in Christ, because that's, that's what we're now captivated in. We're in Christ when we sit down. We're in Christ when we rise up. We're in Christ when we're at rest. We're in Christ when we're along the way. And that's what this is all speaking of. So he says that your days may be multiplied or increased in the days of your children, in the land which the Lord swore unto the fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon earth. For if you shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to cleave unto Him, then will the Lord God drive out all these nations from before you, and you shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourself. So before Israel was a transition. And the transition was from the earth to the heavenly. And that's, and that's really the transition that we make in Christ is the earthly man to the heavenly man. And we can only make this tra transition in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can't make it anywhere else. See, because the heavenly man is the man, Christ himself. He is the heavenly man. And to be heavenly is for him to dwell in you. He is the Lord from heaven, not from the earth. Get that. He's the Lord from heaven, from a different mind, a different view, a different heart, a different understanding. That's what he is. And Revelation 5, and actually if you read Revelation 4 first, John in Revelation 4 did what? Went up into heaven. He was in the Spirit. Go to Revelation 4. And to give you an idea how John got there, Revelation chapter 4 says, 
After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, or here, and I will show you the things which must be hereafter. And immediately, where was John at immediately? Immediately he was in the Spirit, and behold, what did he see when he came to the Spirit? He saw a throne. Man, what did God say to, through Isaiah? Heaven is my throne. So John is in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one set upon the throne. I'm gonna, now I'm going to fast forward to chapter 5. So John is in the Spirit, and he's seeing the throne of heaven. And in Revelation 5.1 says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven nor on earth, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look therein or thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld. Lord, I wish we would all behold. I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts, and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made unto us Unto our God, kings and priests, and another translation I like says, a kingdom of priests. And we shall reign somewhere in the Milky Way. No. And we shall reign on the earth. Here's how it is in heaven on earth. John sees the Lamb. This is the answer. John sees the Lamb. So by seeing the Lamb is the answer of how it's as heaven up on earth. This is it. When you see the Lamb, that's how heaven is manifested into the earth. That's really, really it. There's no other way. But through 
the seeing of the Lamb. So, so what does Jesus say in John 16? What, let's let's kind of tie a couple things together. Let's turn over to John 16. And look at verse, let's see. Verse, uh, start with verse 7. Jesus said in John 16, verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I go, I will send him unto you. And he, when he has come, will convict the world in respect of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to the Father and you behold me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world hath been judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak from himself, but what things soever he shall hear, these things shall he speak, and he shall declare unto you the things that are to come. What's coming? Read verse 14. He shall glorify me. Here's the things that are to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall declare it or show it to you. This is what they couldn't bear. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them yet. Howbeit, when the Spirit of truth has come, he's going to take of mine and he's going to show it. That's what's going to happen. The Spirit of Truth is going to show you His. So, so we're going to move from ours to His by the Spirit of Truth. That's what's going to take place. See, what happened on the day of Pentecost? There came a sound from where? From where did the sound come when the 120 was sitting in the upper room? The Bible says there came a sound from heaven. And it filled the house. So the sound came out of heaven and... If you read all the way through Acts 2, it says, Jesus has shed forth this which you now see and hear. So you now see and hear from that sound that came from heaven, which we know was the Holy Ghost. 
What did, what did we read in Revelation chapter 5? That the Lamb was in the throne having what? Seven horns and seven eyes, which are what? The seven spirits of God, or the fullness of the Spirit of God. The complete work of the Spirit of God is in the Lamb, the sevenfold Spirit of God. So on the day of Pentecost, there came a sound from heaven because Jesus hath shed forth this, the Holy Ghost, which you now see and hear. So we begin to see and hear by the Holy Ghost from heaven. That's where he's from. So, so to be heavenly is not as difficult as we have pictured in our mind because the Spirit of God is heavenly. Christ Jesus the Lord is heavenly. And what this purpose of the Spirit of God is, is doing is he's going to come and he's going to declare me. He's going to testify me. He's going to show you that which is to come. He's going to glorify me. What's coming is the Holy Ghost is going to glorify me in you. That's what Jesus goes on to tell them in John 17, that you're going to behold my glory. That's what you couldn't bear. It, without the regeneration, without the Spirit of God, you can't bear His glory. But now, having the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God revealing Christ in you, you can bear His glory, and His glory is heavenly. So now, as it is like Jesus prayed, pray ye this way, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. You say, well, what's God's will? Ephesians 1. What's God's purpose? We read this last week, but we're going to read it again. Blessed, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And the word places is actually not in there. It's he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven in Christ or in the heavenly Christ. So every spiritual blessing, as he's chose us in him, here, here's the spiritual blessings. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blemish before him in love, having foreordained unto us unto adoption as sons through Jesus Christ unto himself according to the good pleasure of his will. So it's God's will that we, we be in an adoption as sons to the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved in whom we have our redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, making known unto us the mystery of his will. People say, well, I don't know God's will. Well, here it is. 
making known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in him. So God's will and God's good pleasure is in Christ. God purposed it before the foundation of the world. God purposed it, and that's where you go to John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was God's heart, mind, and soul before the foundation of the world that He would gather together in one, in the dispensation and the, and the right. The meaning of that word dispensation is administration in the administration of the fullness of times. He would sum up all things, gather up all things in Christ, the things in heaven and the things upon earth, even in Him. So, so here is really Jesus' prayer. As it is in heaven. Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And to get a hold of this, we see Jesus. We, we can't get a hold of this until we see Jesus. Do we see, like John did, a lamb in the midst of the throne because, because the heavenly things are flowing from the slain lamb? That's th Think what Paul says. Paul says to, I believe, Agrippa, I'm not ashamed of the heavenly vision. Okay. What? did Paul say he was determined to do? He said, I'm determined to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. There's the heavenly vision. Because in Jesus Christ and Him crucified, you're dead to the world. That's what Paul said. That's what Paul wrote. I'm crucified to the world. And the world is crucified to me. Paul was saying that, that death worketh in me and life in you. See, this, and, and what, that was the picture in, in Revelation. Chapter 5, he saw a lamb standing, which means he's alive, which means he's in power, which means he's in, in authority, having as if he was slain. So, so he saw in the heavens the Lamb as if he was slain, but resurrected in life. And why he saw that is because that's the work of God that's going on in our souls, that we're dead with him, that we can live with him. So, so the working of the cross is eternal. The death of Christ is ever going to work in us that the life of Christ can come through because it's in the death of Christ that we escape the world. That's how we're free from sin. He that is dead is freed from sin. That he might live 
under God. That's, that's it. That's how it is in heaven because it's, it's according to the Lamb of God. That's how it is in heaven. According to the Lamb of God, that was slain. That's how it is. And that's what he's talking. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth. Thy kingdom. And that word kingdom is such a big word because it's dealing with the rule, the authority of Jesus Christ. See, see in the book of Revelation, we see the sevenfold Spirit of God. Where else do you find the sevenfold Spirit of God at in your Bible? And I was really wanting to get into this, but I'm just going to introduce it to you. Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11 shows a picture of the sevenfold Spirit of God. And the Scripture reads in Isaiah 11. Let me find it here. It says, And there shall come forth a shoot out of the stock of Jesse, and a branch out of his root shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of Jehovah shall rest upon him. Here we go. The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Jehovah, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Here's the sevenfold Spirit of God. The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Jehovah, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. So here you have a picture of the sevenfold Spirit of God. And all this finds its fulfillment in the person of Christ. Apostle Paul writes, No man can say Jesus is Lord in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but how? But by the Holy Ghost, by the Spirit. And the word Lord there means supreme, ruler. The Lord. That's part of the definition. The Lord. No man can say Jesus is the Lord. Not a Lord. The Lord. But by the Spirit of God. Because when you, when you get a hold of the Lord, He's the supreme one. Death's not supreme. Hell's not supreme. Sin isn't supreme. See, see, this is the rule of his kingdom. When we, when we get into his kingdom, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. We have peace with God through him. We have peace with God through the Lord. Because the Lord made peace with God through his offering on the cross. He took away the enmity. He took away the old man. See, here comes that slain, slain lamb again. He took away the enmity between us and God. He took away the old man. He took away the carnal mind. 
And he brought us into, what? The mountain of the Lord. Brought us into the very presence of God. So there's no enmity. So we could have the mind of Christ. So we could have understanding. So we could know. And what's so powerful is I begin to look at this, and, and, and this will have to be for another time, but, but just in an introduction, I'm looking at this and I go, my Lord, this is Ephesians 1. This, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. What, what's, what's Paul declaring throughout the book of Ephesians 1? He deals with wisdom, understanding, counsel. He deals with this throughout the chap, chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians. The sevenfold Spirit of God, the counsel of the Lord. We, we come into understanding what God's counsel is, is that, that God's plan. The word counsel is, is dealing with a plan, purpose, thought, mind. And Ephesians 1, the Apostle Paul's declaring that, that in his counsel, in his, in his sovereign will, that he would gather together in one all things, in the heavens, on the earth, in Christ. And that's the picture in Revelation chapter 5. There's this many around the throne, thousands upon thousands, myriads of myriads, according to the translation. And, and he speaks of them. He says, there'll be a kingdom of priests and they shall reign on the earth. There it is, the heavens on the earth because they're reigning in his glory. And here we go back into Deuteronomy, what we read. It's producing of God. It's not producing of ourselves, but it's producing out of the flow of God. It's producing out of the work of God. It's producing out of the life of God. As it is in heaven, let it be on earth. Hallelujah. When we, when we get a hold of this, and begin to see this, and God begins to declare His heavenly administration. You have borne the image of the earthy. Ye shall bear, because Christ shall be revealed in you. You shall bear the image of the heavenly. Why? Because why? God purposed it. God didn't purpose Christ to be revealed in one or two. The church is his body. We've been dealing this on Sunday mornings. The church is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So God purposed that, that through the cross he was going to gather into one, and the cross is speaking of the person of Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. He's going to gather together all things in one on heaven, in heaven and on earth. So what's going to flow out of the church is as it is in heaven. That's really what we're speaking. When we're speaking out of the mind of Christ, we're speaking as it is in heaven. We don't know this out of the mind of man. We, 
We've not comprehended this out of our own abilities, folks. We really haven't. We've comprehended this through the Spirit of the Lord working in us. We've just yielded ourselves to the Lord. If we've done anything, that's really what we've done. We've yielded to the Lord that the Lord could teach us. And God showed that picture in Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha, I believe, are, are pictures of believers. Now, I believe they're, they were actual people. But it was a picture of believers that, that Martha was busy about. And a lot of the church, that's, that's what they are. They're busy about wanting to do things for Jesus. But Mary learned the good part. And she sat down at his feet that he could teach her. Which, the whole posture there, she sat down in his rest. And, and you know, you, you get a picture of his feet in Revelation chapters 1, feet as burnished brass. Come to the judgment of the cross. So, so this picture's here as it is in heaven on earth. And the secret to it is just sitting down in the Lord, giving ourselves up, knowing that I can't accomplish this, and coming to rest in what He is, in what He's done. That's really the secret of coming to the mind of Christ is, is God, allowing God to work it in us. And what God works in us, we can declare and share and give to any that will receive it. Now, we want everyone to receive it. But unfortunately, that's not the way it works. And whether it's going to work that way in... In the eternities of eternities, you know, that's, that's up to the mind of the Lord as we understand the mind of the Lord. But we would have God to allow His mind just to go forth, His understanding just to go forth, because getting a hold of, of, of understanding of the Lord is, is just, just the most precious thing we can do is partaking in anything of Him. And one of the words, and, and I've got to look it up here, uh, the word for the spirit of knowledge, it, it, I uh, pulled up the Strong's definition, and I'm going to share this and I'm going to stop. And it means knowledge of a particular point, perception, discernment, recognition. And then down in the help studies it says, that is appropriate to firsthand experiential knowing. So this word knowledge has way more to it than just I've got knowledge because I've read the Bible. It comes from a firsthand knowing an experiential knowing, meaning it's given of the Lord. 
through knowing him. And that's really where the Lord is taking us. Anyway, I'll stop here tonight and I'll open it up for all to share. So, Brother Dale, I saw you all.